In today's world, we are increasingly dependent on technology. Our business and personal lives rely on it, but as you've probably noticed, it's unreliable. They promise it'll get better, but it usually gets worse. Our computers are slow, so we end up squinting at smartphones and tablets. We live in constant fear that something's going to happen to our personal data, so we're scared into paying for fake protection that proves useless when disaster strikes. Update attacks, fake Wi-Fi, cloud control, and other industry scandals are designed to keep the money flowing. The jokers we pay to fix our stuff have no clue what they're doing, so they do a virus scan and then wipe out our precious photos. Intelligent, successful people feel intimidated by the chaos and think it's somehow their fault. If they only knew what the industry was doing to them, they'd get torches and pitchforks. If only we had someone to explain it all in plain English so we can start protecting ourselves. Oh wait, we do! It's the Computer Exorcist Podcast with your host, Mark Anthony Arena. From the Wallace Memorial microphone in my home office, overlooking the hills of western New York, it's the Computer Exorcist Podcast. Mark Anthony Arena here. So glad you are with us. As always, you can go to my website, thecomputerexorcist.com. Okay, um, this is part two of our interview with Riley Cagle, who is a lobbyist down in Washington, D.C., and just so interesting. Um, so glad you are here. Um, we are going Thank to you. finish off our conversation. Go ahead and, uh, yeah, tell us tell us about you. Yeah, yeah. Uh, just to recap uh, from the first part, uh, my name is Riley, and I am a lobbyist for worker health and safety down in Washington, D.C. I've done uh, pretty much everything um, down. I've, I've done everything down here. I've worked in campaigns. I've worked in um, I've worked in government analysis for private companies, uh, legislative tracking and now and now as a lobbyist. Uh, I've also worked on Capitol Hill. Um, as a paid intern in three different internships um, while I was in my 20s and so um, and got to know a lot about the process and a lot to a lot about uh, politics and how it runs in the building so but it, you know just to sort of start on this uh, we uh, all the opinions shared here are my own and uh, they are based on my personal experience and uh, you know my professional experience in previous roles um, and so, yeah, I'm really happy to be here and thank you so much for bringing me. All right. And, and I, I say this too, I'll say blah, 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 and I'll rant and rave. And then I'll say in my professional opinion, you know, Microsoft yeah. is the worst thing ever in my professional right. opinion, but, but it is, um, that is my opinion. So yep. let's, um, give me a quick, uh, let's do a quick question here. Cause I, I thought this was a fascinating thing when we talked, uh, last a uh, couple weeks back um just personally when we were talking mm -hmm. what can government do for you right uh that's yeah. that's a question that i have for me it's just ah oh, it's just some mysterious thing that i don't even expect anything of right right i um 
I like to bring up this example and we'll, I'll get into a little bit more detail, but I, I had a constituent that called me once and um, they said, Hey, I'm going on my family vacation in, you know, three, four weeks. And I ordered my passport like three months ago and it's not here. And I don't expect you to help me because I'm a Democrat, but like, you know, I'm calling anyway to say that I did it. And I said to them over the phone, I said, of course we can help you 100%. And they said, really? (laughs) uh, But, and I said, yeah, of course it's like, that's our job. Like our job is to help you. Um, and huh. we got right. their they're, they're there for everyone, they were able right? to make their family vacation. Um, mm-hmm. but you know, I think that's sort of the common example that everybody thinks of that, uh, you know, that most people know about is like, Oh, I need my passport expedited. I'll call my congressman. Um, but there's mm-hmm. so much more that government can do for you that you just have no idea. Um, and so many people don't take advantage of it. Um, there are a lot of in this there are a lot of people that say like oh government doesn't work anymore government doesn't care about me anymore government doesn't do anything for me anymore and in reality you know what i've noticed is that i i talk to people all the time and i say they say they have this issue with with the government and i always ask them have you called your congressman and they said, no, why would I call my congressman? And I said, because your congressman yeah. can help you with that. And they say, really? And I said, yes, like all the time. It happens so much. And so for the people out there that think that government doesn't do anything for you, I mean, I, I would really encourage you to ask the government to do something for you. Um, and, and mm. you know, what can they do for you? I, oh, if your goodness. tax returns haven't gotten back to you on time, you can call your congressman and say, hey, my tax returns still haven't come back. They're late now. And like, can you call the IRS? Yes, we can do that. Hey, wow. I need help because my uh, my fiance, her immigration papers are not being pushed through uh, quickly. And like we've we've been waiting for way too long and we're past the date that they told us they would have them by. Can you call your congressman for that? Yes, you can call your congressman for that. Hey, I need help getting this grant for my farm. Like, and or like, let's say you work at a school and you need a you need grant funding for an arts program. Can you call your congressman to help that? Yes, you can call your congressman to help with that. Any single interaction that you have with a federal agency, whether it's taxes, your passport, immigration, anything, anything, you can call your congressman and or your senator. And they have staff that are dedicated to helping you. I've helped countless veterans with their uh, with their VA benefits, you know, or at least gotten them connected with the right person who could. Um, I've helped, yeah, I've helped so many people. Uh, VA benefits is a huge deal. We have a ton of people calling about that. Um, and but don't think that this is just the federal government. You know, if you need help with the unemployment agency of because you're unemployed and you're you, you need to deal with uh, your state unemployment agency, call your state representative. Your state representative can actually help you with any other state agency, uh, including so the DMV, um, everything they can help you with and your state wow. senator as well. So, it, it, you know, my my charge to everybody listening is. If you think the government isn't working well enough for you, I would charge you to ask them to work for you. Wow. You know, oh, I'm, you know, as you're saying this, I'm thinking back to, I think it was 2007. I was super broke 
and just really down in the dumps. And I mailed in, I had this little DBA and I was selling, you know, computer parts on eBay, probably made a couple hundred bucks a a year. And Mm -hmm. they, I had to submit, I think it was sales tax. I think it was. And they hit me with this huge bill for three grand in sales tax. And I just flipped out and my, I tried to get my accountant to write them and I eventually wrote them and called them. And, and finally, after, I mean, I just gave up. I'm just like, look, I I can't, I, I, I eventually Mm -hmm. called them, but at that point I'd already decided to shut down my tiny business and I was so, uh, discouraged, but eventually I eventually called them and I should have called my state representative absolutely as someone but I, I eventually got a hold of someone and they said oh yeah <laughs> sorry your return got stuck to another one's by accident to some bigger right. company Ugh. but I was so right. discouraged it, I didn't start another I'm business for a bunch of years after that I'm telling you man you know it's their job this is their this is in the job description you know they have staff uh in their district office usually in the district office, um, there's another eight or nine staffers in the district office, um, you know, that their whole job, most of their job is handling constituent, what we call casework. Right. I was um, an innocent citizen, yeah. right? This was all their fault. It was, yeah, yeah. Wow. Yeah. I, I like and what you say, because there's plenty of times it's people. like when you're at a school dance when you're a kid and it's like, ah, girls don't like me. Well, did you go ask one to dance? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. I mean, they will they will call those agencies for you and they actually have like a special line that they call into and like they don't have to like wait for anybody. There's a special like help desk for oh. Congress and for the state for for the state legislature. Um, in these places that they take in calls from Congress or your state legislature on these issues that you ask them to help with. It's just for that. How cool is that? Wow. That's just, you know, life hack as, as you young people say. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. Um, (laughs) let's, let's throw some articles at you. First time guest here or your first time on, um, this one is trying to get a day, July of 23, so it's pretty recent. Uh, CNN.com, Microsoft under European antitrust investigation over Teams. Teams is their Microsoft's pathetic version of Zoom. Whenever, whenever <laughs> Microsoft comes out with their own version of something, I always say it's their pathetic version of, you know, Bing is their pathetic version of Google and so on. Um, Teams is actually like ancient prehistoric technology. Um, that just crashes constantly. And unfortunately, someone in the court system, at least here in New York State, was duped into signing some kind of a contract with Teams. So if you have to do yeah. some kind of online hearing, you have to infect your computer with Teams and it constantly crashes. It's never worked for anyone in human history, in my professional mm-hmm. opinion. Yeah. Here goes. European officials are investigating whether Microsoft's practice of building its Teams software into Office 365 is anti-competitive. Side note, they're actually building it into every copy of Windows, so it's actually worse than than this journalist realizes. Um, And there's something called uh, Teams machine-wide installer, by the way where Mm -hmm. there's a couple situations where if you uninstall Teams, the machine-wide installer is still dormant, and it reattacks, and it reinfects your machine with Teams over and over and over and over. Um, I mean, if you go look at the forums, right, it's the same deal like you were saying, reach out for help. If you go look at online forums, especially for Microsoft, 
there's just zillions of people wailing and grinding their teeth. They're just suffering out there with this filthy, irresponsible, mismanaged software. Anyway. Yeah. <sighs> follows a formal complaint by Microsoft's rival, Slack, alleging that Microsoft has illegally circumvented competition. By packaging teams together with its well-entrenched productivity suite, like Word and Outlook, right, Office, mm -hmm. Microsoft could be effectively blocking customers from seeking out the rival collaboration tools, right? Antitrust yeah. officials are also concerned about interoperability issues between Microsoft software and third-party products. Um, this may constitute anti-competitive tying or bundling and prevent other mm -hmm. communication tools from competing. Uh, Slack's initial complaint alleges that Microsoft forces Teams onto millions of customers. Hey, also, also, journalists, you forgot the uh, Meet Now. That was a button that appeared mysteriously around the end of 2020, beginning of 2021. All of a sudden, all Windows machines had this mysterious button on the bottom right called Meet Now, and no one knew where it came from. Turns out it yeah. was it was injected into the machine during an update attack, and that's another concept wow. I'd love to talk to you about. Um, Microsoft attacks their own products with with what I call update attacks. That's my term, mm -hmm. uh, where it's an update that claims to help you do something, and it might even do that, but then it breaks ten other things and injects more ways in which they can spy on you or. Um, give you suggestions to modify your mm -hmm. behavior mm -hmm. in their best interest, like this Meet Now mm -hmm. button that aimed to circumvent Zoom, certainly. But luckily, right. because of their usual incompetence, people were just terrified by this button that appeared out of nowhere. Anyway, back to the article. Um, <clears throat> Microsoft sells a closed ecosystem of its products, right? Not as bad as Apple, where yeah. you have to also buy the Apple hardware, Apple socks, Apple underwear, Apple toothbrush in order to get it to work. <laughs> Um, <laughs> right. So there's two very different philosophies for the future, gateways versus gatekeepers, right? So Microsoft Windows should be a gateway. It's just a product that, that allows your computer to function, right? And then it allows you to install other products from other people. Um, whereas they're saying here, well, you know what? We're just going to sell you a Windows computer and we don't want you using other people's products. We only want you to use Microsoft products. Again, mm -hmm. another tangent is the S-Mode scandal, and I did a mini-speech on that the other day to a group where the S-Mode scandal is, hey, look, I buy a Windows machine, and I don't realize until I get it there's this thing called S-Mode where it says you're not allowed to use anything except for the things we sell you in our app store. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yet another scandal. Wow. It's another fully legal scandal that no one in society is aware of, so again, that's my job to raise awareness. Um, so a couple of scribbles on this here that I want to mention before I get your opinion here. Um, sure. yeah, so Teams destroys itself constantly. I say that all the time. And Teams, by the way, begs you desperately to sign into a Microsoft account when you actually don't have to, right? And that's another thing. A yeah. lot of new computers, when you buy them, are begging you to sign into a Microsoft account, regardless of Teams. Um, so try to avoid that no matter what, because then that you basically, you're giving control of your machine to them. Um... So, yeah, again, someone was duped into using Teams for, for court meetings, so that's awful. Um, I recommend Jitsi instead. I mean, Zoom is a lot less bad. Zoom is the big name, and they're okay. Um, but I like yeah. Jitsi. You and I are using this right now for our own conference as we're talking. It's meet.jit.si. That's M-E-E-T dot J-I-T dot S-I. I've been talking about this to my listeners for a while now. 
And the idea is you don't have to even install anything at all. You just go to a website, you give the website permission to use your camera and your microphone, and you type in a room name. So you and I just typed in the same name, yep. and that is it. We didn't install anything. We didn't fight with anything. That's that. Nope. Um, yeah. And final thing as far as this, if this is bad, they should look at Microsoft Edge. Um, Edge is it's the same thing. If you remember in the 90s, the famous antitrust battle with Microsoft bundling Internet Explorer in every copy of Windows 95, guess what? They immediately crushed their rival Netflix, uh, Netscape, sorry, immediately. They immediately crushed Netscape because Netscape is this third party that had to get its software out there. And Microsoft is like, oh, we'll just bundle Internet Explorer with all our copies of Windows. And then people are lazy and yeah. like, I don't need Netscape, right? So <clears throat> they're doing it again with Edge, um, which is just, it, it's Internet Explorer's evil grandson, basically. Uh, they came out with this thing. They promised it was going to be brand new. And then all of a sudden, these federal security bulletins came out that said, hey, you know all those billions of holes or thousands of holes that are discovered in Internet Explorer? Uh, Edge has those same holes. So it was right. not an all-new product from scratch. Um, wow. So then they closed that project down, and now they have new Edge, which is this little ocean wave icon, and it's actually a mutilated version of Chrome. They basically took the free open source chunks of Chrome, mutilated it, and so now instead of Google harvesting your behavior, Microsoft harvests and sells your behavior, and they bully you viciously to the point where even if you hit the red X to say no, or sometimes there's not even an X at all, you just have to keep clicking, and, and they enroll you in things and suck all of your history out of competing browsers, and then suck all yeah. that history into Microsoft servers. So you click on Edge by accident, and heaven forbid you try to make a competing browser your favorite, and Edge attacks and pounces viciously in order to terrify you. Mm -hmm. So, folks, if you think Teams is a problem, we got a much bigger scandal with Edge, in my professional opinion. Um, you know, it spews icons everywhere during every update attack. Even if you delete the icon for Edge, during every update attack, Microsoft will flood your machine with billions more icons for Edge. Um yeah. yeah, so that's my opinion on that. I know you said so. You're an expert on antitrust, is that correct? Uh, I wouldn't. I wouldn't quantify myself as like an expert. I'm. I'm well enough versed in it. I mean, it's something that I've followed. Um, Teddy. So it's funny. You know, Teddy Roosevelt. Roosevelt is my favorite president. Uh -huh. um, and you know, the, but I will say, you know, the days of like the Teddy Roosevelt antitrust are gone. Um, I think that again, this is, you know, this is just my personal opinion, um, you know, that antitrust is definitely due. And I think we're going to see a huge antitrust battle open up uh, pretty much globally at this point. I think that Europe is definitely the starting point because they're a lot more, I, I would say that they're a lot more amenable to like uh, reviewing their laws and getting their laws up to date to fit purpose of, of uh, to make them fit to purpose um, with modern technology. Um, and the United States is in certain areas, but not in others. Right. And I, I'm sure you could say the, I'm sure you could say the same about Europe, but antitrust is antitrust is going to be one of the big battles, the big political battles of um our generation's time and i do think it's coming soon um i use i use teams i've used slack i i definitely do prefer slack right now teams actually won't work for me anymore oh um, big surprise 
Yeah, it actually won't work for me anymore. I actually have to use Teams in my browser now because the Teams app will not work on my computer. It was probably roasted during an update attack like everyone else on Earth. And that's the thing. When I say this stuff, this isn't like me going off into the forest and having one example of it. This is almost all my clients having these what I call worldwide issues. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, one, I've had issues with I've had issues with Outlook connectivity. And I, you know, I remember when my Outlook wasn't working, I went online and I was uh, just to see if like what the issue could be. And I found out that it was happening to a bunch of other people at the same time because of an um, update attack that it was happening unleashed, to me. right? Irresponsibly. Um, yeah, I worked for a large you know, the organization. Tech sector, mm-hmm. The tech sector is so like the tech sector has kind of reached this point where a lot of the tech sector is kind of trying to dodge the antitrust bullet and i'm not going to give an opinion on i'm not going to give an opinion on you know who has a good case or not um but i know that you can look up many different articles about this that a lot of social media companies like facebook facebook has gone through its antitrust test um and it probably still is Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Microsoft is going through its antitrust antitrust test. A, a lot of other tech companies, like Google, Google has gone through its antitrust test. And um, what, what blows my mind, side note, is like I could see if if it's a debatable, arguable point that that Facebook may or may not be a monopoly, blah blah. blah. But who let them buy three of their competitors? Hello. Right, right, uh, yeah, and that's and that's what we're seeing is like these companies are getting a lot bigger. It's um, like the whole foods in my, in my town over money. here. Uh, oh, sure, right. The, the little example I use is the whole foods in my town. <clears throat> there was a little tiny town battle about the traffic that, that would result uh, from building a whole foods. And okay, fine, that's a debate, mm-hmm. right? But then they built it and they plopped a drive through Starbucks to make it even worse. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I remember when they put a Popeyes. They put a Popeyes on one street in Harrisburg, and they didn't make it. It was like the parking lot was too small, and now they're the you know. And I love Popeyes. I think Popeyes oh, is, yeah. makes the best chicken sandwich out yeah. there for fast food. Um, and now the line for the drive-through wraps onto like a four-way, a four-lane business highway. Oh. Um, you know, and it'll stretch for like a quarter mile, a quarter, quarter mile, half mile. And, you know, you just got you got to think about these things. Right. Sorry to throw you off there. So. So, yeah. Antitrust. So Facebook and Microsoft and Google. Sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. But it, there, mm-hmm. it, it, like I said, antitrust is going to be a topic that I think is going to be one of the next like epic political battles of our uh, of our generation's history. Yeah, and and to give you, you know, I would love to do this all day with you, but I'll just give you yeah. a couple examples for now. But I'd love to have you yeah. on future episodes, and I'll throw tons of these examples yeah. of what I call ethical scandals in my industry or, or, or lack of ethics, um, this sort of thing, where, you know, I get the same calls every day from people, right, the same issues, and I say, yup, 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 that's Apple doing this, and it's a worldwide scandal, and everyone's calling with this, right? And same mm-hmm. thing, by the way, with Outlook. I worked for a large organization 10 years ago. We had 5,000 people using Outlook, and they were, they were a lobbyist organization, actually, coincidentally, and... And every day they always had problems with Outlook. And I I used to say, look, you basically need a four-year degree in slapping Band-Aids on Outlook because there's billions and trillions of problems with it. And instead of fixing any of them, they just add billions more features every day because it's much easier. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. And, you know, working 
working in the lobbying world, you know, we grapple, we grapple with ethics every day. You know, that's a, it's a very big theme in the lobbying world is, um, you know, ethics and what you do. Um, and there are so many, you know, times that, uh, there are so many courses about it. There's a lot, a lot of people in my industry, you know, a lot of people in the government affairs industry. Um, and I, I would, you know, everybody I've met, I mean, they are very big on, you know, ensuring that ethics are upheld in this industry. Um, you know, yeah, yeah. I mean, lobbyists, lobbyists can get a bad rap sometimes. Um, mm-hmm. you know, I, 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 and it can be popular to talk about, um, you know, oh, it's the lobbyist fault. Uh, people can talk about that, you know, um, but, you know, I will say I know so many lobbyists that are just great people and they do great things. And, mm-hmm. and you know, so I definitely don't think that the industry deserves that. That's cool. Check out my my episode a couple of weeks back with Mark Wynn. I might have told yeah. you about him it was phenomenal. And he basically said, you know, we have big business, big government, big tech, and these towers are too tall. And he said, hang yeah. on, Mark, because I was about to rant. And he goes, hang on, Mark, before you start criticizing anyone, he said, just remember yeah, the structures might be too tall and we need to, you know, think about it as a society and all that, he said. But remember, those are all individuals doing the best they can to put food on their table and doing what they right. think can help the world. Right. Yeah. I mean, everybody wants, I, I, I genuinely hold this, I, I hold this very deep personal belief that everybody wants to do good things, mm-hmm. at least when they start. Mm-hmm. Um you know, and it's, but I, I, every time I meet somebody, I always, you know, I assume the best. I, I like mm-hmm. to assume the best. Right. Even if they work for some company you don't like or whatever, that's, that's right. a good point. So I'll just, I'll run, like I said, I want to do this for all the scandals I talk about, but I'll just run one of them sure. by you um, in the sure. hopes that, I mean, I always say, look, I never think that any kind of, I never assume any legislation will help. I always say awareness is the only thing that'll help, especially with the phone scams, right? The foreigners calling you. I mean, that's just awareness, but um, who knows, you know, maybe, maybe the fact that I've met you here and you giving me this new perspective of, Hey Mark, why don't you try calling the government about some of these problems? And I might actually do that. And, and, and what you were saying to me in the break was, you know, have your listeners call their Congress people about some of this. So I'll give you a great example of something that I wish I, I'll probably call my congressperson about, and I, I wish my listeners would as well, is the OneDrive scandal. And and I always mm-hmm. say this to, to clients or people at cocktail parties or everywhere. I say, look, if someone plopped me in front of Congress and handed me a microphone, I could tell them stuff that would you know make their jaw drop or what have you. Mm-hmm. Um, the OneDrive scandal is is one of the the most pervasive ones. Um, newer windows machines sold in the past let's say five years or so um, windows 10 and newer when you get the machine there's a secret button well let's so it welcomes you and it says you need a microsoft account and you do not know what that's going to do to you number one you don't know that when you sign in with a microsoft account the machine becomes controlled by your microsoft account and thus microsoft itself from then on in and every time you sign into that machine it begs microsoft for permission to function uh this Mm -hmm. again this is a product you bought and you thought you owned and you paid money for and they handed to you and it's in your hands but they control it 
Worse mm-hmm. yet, if that's not bad enough, there's something called OneDrive. And I call this a scandal in my professional opinion because 99% of people are unaware of what it's doing to you, right? You click agree. Hey, Microsoft can throw their hands up. Well, you clicked agree. But people mm-hmm. don't know the, the deep um, legalese that you're agreeing to. And they make it near impossible to avoid that's the other thing, right? And there's plenty of things like Canadian government's big on, like, we want explicit consent, right? I think that's the term mm-hmm. they use. Um, there is no explicit consent here, in my opinion. Uh, people don't know this, so I go to people's houses, and I'll even say, hey, did you sign into the OneDrive scandal? And they'll they'll swear they didn't, but turns out their stuff, they, they were. It turns out they were involved in the OneDrive scandal. Here's what it does. Um, so you, you sign up for a Microsoft account, you sign into the machine, The OneDrive scandal sucks your documents and photos and whatever else out of your machine and into Microsoft's arguably insecure cloud. Have you Mm -hmm. heard about this? Yeah, yeah. Uh, Well, I mean, given that information that you just gave me, um, I know that now now I'm a little bit familiar with it. Um, You know, I I wasn't familiar with all of the uh, sort of technicalities behind it, but um, this sort of brings us to another, um, you know, epic political battle that I think we're going to see in our lifetime as well. And actually, I, I, I already witnessed this um, in a previous role. Um, you know, I, I tracked data privacy bills a lot. Um, and that was a topic of interest uh, for one of our clients. And um, I so I became fascinated with data privacy legislation. Um, and you see now that the data privacy, uh, argument definitely has a lot more life to it because of TikTok. Um, oh, yeah. and I would and say that's the just the biggest sort example. Of, uh, all the, all the rampage on Capitol Hill about TikTok and what they're yeah. doing with the data. Yeah. That's uh, being just that's one example. Yeah. I mean, being that it's, um, you know, arguably the largest social media app out there for the younger generation right now. Um, you know, and it's, it, I, I sometimes find it funny, you know, we're talking about TikTok and we're talking about the, you know, we're talking about all the data they have. And it's like, man, you know, Facebook does the same thing. <laughs> I mean, oh yeah. um, you know, Facebook collects just as much, you know, all these tech companies, they, they collect a lot of data on you. And so I think uh, when I was tracking that legislation, I saw a lot of states were passing um, their own data privacy bills Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they, they include the right to be forgotten. Um, yeah. you know, the, the, uh, like the right to know what, um, a, what data a company has on you. Yeah. Um, and of course the companies you know, are going to make it as cumbersome and complex as possible. Right. Yeah. And that's, that's where, you know, where states are passing a lot of these laws right now. And again, you know, in my personal opinion, I think that it's, it, the legislation is, um, it's still evolving. Um, I think that legislators are really trying hard. To, it, it, they're trying very genuinely hard to understand how it all works. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and my, um, you know, my encouragement to you is that, um, you know, Congress and your state legislature, they can't act on issues that they don't know about. Right? Yeah. Yeah. I've, um, I've said that on my show in, in but I was a lot less polite about it. <laughs> Yeah, they they can't. Well, and they can't, you know, if you don't keep them informed as a constituent on the issues that matter to you, then they're never going to know. 
So and it's up so to me. I, Here I, I am people cr- all you know, the time, grumbling. you know, reach out about the issues that are so important to you um, because it's very important to have an open dialogue with the government, um, you know, because uh, like we talked about before, 1.7 million communications a year to one person. Right. But I mean, if you really think about it, there's 300 million people in this country and they all have competing needs. Um, all crying at once. Yeah. I mean, we, they, they all have competing needs and competing issues. Like a giant kindergarten. And we come together at the altar of compromise on Capitol Hill to try and make something that makes sense. Yeah. But I love how you put that, that uh, charge on me where it's like mark look if you have a problem yeah it's up to you it's up to me mark to to go ahead and call them and let them know because i was the guy sitting around grumbling thinking that no one could do anything for me but you really um you really inspired me there that really you know the last thing i will say about it is you know i want you to know and and you know i know this because i've worked in this world for a while is that it it takes persistence um Mm -hmm. you know to to get something done in this city um but it is not impossible to get something done in this city or in your state capital it's it's not impossible at all um it takes persistence you're definitely going to have to um you know it's it's not going to be one phone call and then you're done um you know it's this is advocacy this is what advocacy is and advocacy is you know there are certain objectives that you have and sometimes for you know lobbyists that i know they have a bill that they've been working on for five ten years (laughs) right and you know sometimes it takes that long and a lot of things can speed up the process a lot of things can slow down the process but what i can tell you is is that if you were to uh you know go out there and um get a bunch of people together who who really cared about this issue and you were to organize them and say hey you know this is an issue that's important to us let's uh use our first amendment right to petition the government um and tell them how we feel um, you know, that's your right. That is 100% your right as an American citizen. And I promise you, like, you know, legislative offices, when they get a lot of calls about a very specific issue, mm-hmm. they typically do a little bit of research, you know, into the issue. I mean, they, they definitely do because they want to be informed on what their constituency cares about. Yeah. And, you know, I'm preparing these mini speeches that I've been giving to different groups. And now I actually have that I that encapsulated into a speech and I can yeah. email that to them and say, look, here's the bullet points here. Uh, by the way, for to finish up the, the, the description of the OneDrive scandal, you know, so people again, 99 percent of people are unaware that it's happening, even the people who claim that they've avoided it. Right. So your documents and photos are sucked into OneDrive. Mm-hmm. Oh, and by the way, even if Microsoft claims that they've treated your data with kid gloves and they put some paint all over it so that they're not privy to what your documents and photos are, right? They're in it really just to 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 beg you for the, the ransom money or the rental money, right? Because you get five mm-hmm. gigs for free. But then when you start filling it up with photos and documents, then they beg you mercilessly for money, for rental money, to store stuff in their cloud that you didn't even know was in their cloud, right? So even mm-hmm. if they have, have somehow... Um, 
shielded their eyes from your actual specific documents and photos, they're still sucking them out of the machine, which means it puts mm-hmm. them in great jeopardy because their cloud is so notoriously naked but and insecure. But also, um, what I see day in and day out, more often than not, when I walk into a client's house for the first time, I look at their pre-existing machine, it's on their desk, and I go, okay, great. Some of your stuff has been sucked into the OneDrive. Now... OneDrive used to suck copies of your stuff, but now that's not good enough. They're actually taking your documents and photos away from your computer, just like Invasion of the Body Snatchers, you know, or one of these 80s horror zombie movies where I've been kidnapped by aliens, but I've been replaced by an evil body double. Okay, so you're just seeing placeholders of your documents and photos. So let's say, it, so more often than not, OneDrive, the OneDrive engine, the little program that does all the sucking, more often than not, that's destroyed by an update attack. So all of a sudden, now you can't access your documents. And I have to dig yeah. in there, and I have to have a password battle, and I have to reinstall the engine just to get all your documents out. And, and I have to do this really tedious process to get all your stuff back into your machine and then sever ties with Microsoft at that point. It's it's quite mm-hmm. tedious. This isn't, you know, 10 years ago, I was repairing broken keyboards and broken screens, and my, my job was so easy, and now it's so tedious, and I feel helpless yeah. because it's a worldwide scandal. Well, and I... And just, you know, sort of last point that I have on this is I actually, you know, a recommendation for you or for your listeners. Um, I actually use um, a search engine or a not a search engine. I guess it's a um, I use a, um, a browser, at least on my phone. I don't know if you can get it on your computer, but it's called Quant. And that's uh, Q-W-A-N-T is how it's spelled. And uh, Quant is awesome because it um, it actually blocks uh, trackers on every single website that you go to. And, um, and yeah. it'll actually show you how many trackers it blocks on every single website that you go to. It's, it's, it's really awesome. It's made in France, and uh, they don't track anything about you. That's brilliant. Yeah, stuff like Quant or Duck.com or Brave, absolutely yeah. I recommend stuff like that. Um, but in this case, specifically with OneDrive, it's so sinister because it sucks the actual documents and photos out of yeah. your machine. It's not like you, you don't even realize because it's not like you're going to a website to do any of this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's nuts. No, yeah, no, yeah. So, okay, final article for you, Riley. You ready? Yeah. Yeah, this one actually came out of my Italian club newsletter, and they say they got it from the Times. I'm not sure what Times, okay. but <laughs> um, the article is yeah. just fascinating. So, and it's it's very Italian. So, uh, the Romans destroyed their republic in partisan warfare, and we might too. And by the way, I want to thank you for for having such a balanced, uh, objective description of everything you do. You're you're so nonpartisan, and that's so cool to have you on here. Um, just giving yeah. such a balanced, rational. Because um, again, we're all just people, right? Oh yeah, yeah. It's, it's so. Do you, yes, you want me to? You want me to comment on that article? Uh, so here goes. Yeah, yeah. Um, many Americans are worried about the future, even the survival of our democracy. A little over two millennia ago, the Romans, after defeating all their major rivals in war, succumbed to internal warfare. The demise of the Roman Republic shows the perils of extreme partisanship. 
the Romans face challenges that resonate today. Two of the most capable politicians Rome ever produced came onto the scene at the same time, which paradoxically made matters worse, right? That is crazy, huh? You have these two, like, super politicians. One was Julius yeah. Caesar, from Veni Vidi Vici was his quote. Um, Caesar rose to power championing ordinary Romans. The other major talent was Cato the Younger, a far more austere character who walked around Rome in an, a rough old toga. Cato crusaded against the money and squeezed out of Rome's provincial subjects that sloshed through politics. Uh, for him, the Senate was the bulwark against politicians like Caesar from acquiring too much power, right? The Senate was the check, check and balance against Caesar. With their sure. different visions for Rome, both politicians attracted followings, and the remorseless logic of polarization set in. Each side responded to the other by increasingly devastating strategy, uh, strategies. Partisanship became a chain reaction, as it is now, right? As political norms and institutions weakened, clashes became seemingly inevitable. And I want to add here that it's kind of worse now because we have these echo chambers. Uh, you go to someone's house and inevitably they're either watching Fox or CNN and they're in this echo chamber and they just roll with the party line. Um, oh, side note, I wanted to say something really important about your email management systems that you're using up in Congress there. Yeah. Um, I, I work with clients of all kinds of walks of life and all kinds of political beliefs. And it's funny to me because I go through and I help them flush out any spam in their inbox. And yeah. the emails are the same. The emails are the same template. It's I, I want to tell these people like, hey, look, it's it's. This email you're getting is actually the same as as your your political opponents. It's one of them says, you know, Trump is out to get us and get our freedoms, and the other email is Pelosi is out to get us and get our freedoms. But it's the same yeah. email. Well, and a quick note on that, you know, it's so those 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 email or those constituent relations management systems that are in Congress. Those are actually separate from the campaign and the campaigns like so I've actually oh. uh, I forgot to mention that I, I've actually worked in campaign fundraising as well. Oh. Um, so I am very familiar with the emails that you're talking about um, and exactly how that whole process works and everything. I also uh, worked a well, I didn't work directly with, but there I knew people in the direct mail side of that company that would send the letters out and stuff like that. Oh. And uh you know, you do have copywriters, uh, you have copywriters that write that sort of stuff. And yeah, I mean, I, I don't want to say that there was never really an established like formula of what was written, but there is like sort of a same theme almost to a lot of it. Um, you know, cause generally as fundraisers, we know as, as fundraisers, we know what is going to get people to click. What is going to get people like we can analyze all that data, that fear right? that someone's out to get me and take away my freedoms. Like we can analyze all that data and, and we can test subject lines. And like we know by the time the email actually gets sent out to the large audience, we have all the data necessary to know what's going to yield the best response out of that email. What subject line is best, what opening line is best, what pre header text is best. Um, and it gets results. 
I mean, it's crazy. It gets it gets really good results. I personally, um, I'm so allergic to that that engineered disingenuousness. You know, I I mean, to my own yeah. detriment, right? Where here I am, I only have a small handful of fans. I'm kind of the opposite extreme, right? But I I don't like that engineering. I, I remember seeing one. It was like from Ben Carson's iPhone. No, it's not Ben Carson. Yeah. didn't sit in his car tapping an email away to you from his iPhone. Right. Right. And you know what's fascinating is that the lists, so you probably wonder where do we get these email lists that like, where do we get these e- these massive email lists where we send it out to like 10,000 people or whatever? Um, I'm not even, I don't even remember how many people would send it out to at a time, but there is like a whole market of people who basically, it's like walking into like a bazaar of just email lists. Mm-hmm. And they are just these guys. They're just random people. Sometimes they're companies um, that curate these lists. But um, I know that one of the best lists we had was just this, he was just this guy. And he was just this random guy who lived in the Cayman Islands. And oh. he just had a list. And it was a good list and it raised a lot of money and you would basically rent that list to him or you would do what's called a revenue share where he gets a certain amount of the money that's raised. Right. And he gets a certain amount of the money raised and then your candidate gets a certain amount of the money raised um, or your cause gets a certain amount of the money raised. And a lot of the causes, I mean, the causes that we were fundraising for were, you know, inherently political causes. But that guy, his whole, like, he literally doesn't have to really do anything. He just sells his list, makes money. If you do a revenue share with them, if you do a revenue, we call it a rev share. You do a rev share with them, then he makes it, you know, depending on how good your email campaign is, like, he makes a ton of money. And if you are, if you are good, if you're writing good emails, the rev share, like, he's going to want to rev share with you. If you're not writing good emails, he's not either not going to sell the list to you or he's going to sell it to you at a flat price. At a, right. Just so he knows he gets a guaranteed rate out of you if he doesn't as a think rental. you're going to Wow. Yeah. This is incredible. This now, is rentals become attractive. Rentals can become attractive if you like, if you know you've written a really good email, you know it's going to raise a ton of money. Like you might want to do a rental because then you you could end up making more money over the over the long term, right? Sure, sure. Wow, I mean, this is great insight behind the scenes here because I'm on the other end of it. I'm in the senior citizen's house in front of their computer yeah. at their home desk and looking at all these zillions. I mean, some of my people have yeah. ten to a hundred thousand emails in their inbox. And so I've developed a secret method called the in-mass cleanup where I can actually organize it all by sender and go, okay, here's 20,000 from Facebook or 20,000 from Trump or from Pelosi. And then just I wipe them out very quickly for them. So I think that's cool. But wow. So that's what happens behind the scenes. That stuff works. Yeah. I mean, campaigning, man, like I always say this, like I, I say this to everybody because people don't really realize it. I mean, dude, campaigning is a whole economy. It is an entire economy. The manufacturing of campaign materials, fundraising, events, 
you know, you think about how many restaurants have rentals, you know, how many restaurants get rooms rented out, you know, or banquet halls get rented out and then food and drinks and catering and everything. I mean, dude, campaigning is a huge economy in the United States and people don't realize the gravity of how big it is. And, and I always tell my clients, like, okay, look, whatever you do, don't sign up for a political uh, campaign email because they sell it yep. to every remotely related political campaign that's even remotely similar. And then they're getting f- tens of thousands flooded in. And, you know, yep. even if you know how to use your spam filter and block it as spam, tons more come in. Um, yeah. Uh, we okay, had, let's... And also, you know, I mean, just to give you a little insight on how that works, you know, because that's that's fascinating. So we would rent the list, right? Or we would rev share the list from whoever we picked up. And then if somebody donated, right, somebody clicks on the link and they actually donate. Oh, are they marked as a whale? What? Are they marked as a whale? No, 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 no. No, what happens is is that when they actually click and donate on the list, yeah. then they also become a part of our our internal list that okay. we own, right? Mm-hmm. But only if they donate. Like if they oh. if they actually interact and donate in the email, they become a part of our internal list, which then grows our internal list. As we grow that internal list, we can then sell that internal list to other people. It's a big cycle, really. So otherwise, they just stay in the Cayman Islands guys list. I mean, well, they're in his list now too. Right, right, right. But I mean, so they would have stayed there. On, but if they donate, yeah. they're on yours. Okay. Um, let's uh, let's finish up the article here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, this is just fascinating. I'm so happy you're here. Yeah. Um, so partisanship became a chain Thank reaction you. as political norms and institutions weakened, and clashes became seemingly seemingly inevitable. And luckily for the Romans, they didn't get any spam. <laughs> so yes, right, right. Uh, Cato, spam accelerates. Yeah, Cato, Caesar, and the respective allies finally led to a civil war, at the end of which terrorized Romans had to accept autocracy. We see the same ravages of partisanship in the U.S. today. There is an obscure key worth reflecting on, the ability to compromise. And you said that earlier, and that's great. Um, Mm -hmm. The Roman world was one of shocking inequality and brutality, but the Republic did manage to incorporate new groups and come up with a more expansive view of citizenship. The political class worked out a novel compromise to bring peace to the city after months of violence. The Civil War could have been prevented. Roman history cannot tell us exactly what to do now, but from the Romans we can take warning and encouragement. Americans must not become totally paralyzed with fear. Doomsaying and denunciation can only go so far. In our moment of crisis, politicians need to offer an inspiring vision of peaceful self-government and compromise. And we must reward those who do. Final comments, Mm. Riley. Yeah, uh, this this is something that I've heard a lot from people who call in like you know from people who called in during my time on capitol hill and you know just generally you know you speak to family members and stuff like that and the people that you know and they're like i think i i just think we're we're this country's gonna come apart i mean i've never seen this country more partisan in my life and well, like i've never seen something. us so divided Why don't in my do life to make peace that's what a lot of people say to me they say mm-hmm. i've never seen this country so divided in my life and it always makes me chuckle a little bit because i because i say well have you heard about a time called 1860? Mm. 
And, you know, I mean, remember, mm-hmm. millions of Americans died in our own civil war in 1860, and this country survived it. Great point. I used, I used to give, I used to give tours, right? I used to give tours of the Capitol as an intern to constituents who would come in. Cool. And it was one of my favorite things to do. It was one of my favorite things to do because what a lot of people don't realize is that the current United States Capitol was actually built during the Civil War, mm. and. There were a lot of moments, you know, in there. You watch this very inspiring video where you look at all of the very important legislation that Congress has passed since it became an institution to now. I mean, you realize right in front of you how far this country has come. I mean, and it's a 13 minute video for 13 original colonies. That's they they Mm. did that on purpose. And. There's a moment in there where Lincoln, so the people were building the Capitol in, during the Civil War, and everybody was like, "Oh my God! Like, you know, what's go? Like, should we even finish building the Capitol? Because what if we don't win? What if the Union falls apart? Should we even finish building it?" And Lincoln, Whoa. but they decided the the workers decided. Um, the workers decided to keep building. And Lincoln said to the masses at that moment, he said, if the people see the capital going on, it is a sign that the union shall go on. Wow. And it was, it was super powerful. It gives you chills. It gives me chills every time thinking about it. But inside the capital, you have like all this, like a lot of it is about civil war history. And, you know, looking back on it, I mean, I, I, I asked this essential question to your viewers, and this is a question that I want you all to ask yourselves. Are things worse today than they were before? Or are we just exposed to more bad things today because of the 24 hour news cycle? Oh, wow. Good point. Good point. Yeah. You know, I mean, like this stuff, this like crazy things have been happening in the world forever forever the difference was is that back in 1860 you had to deliver it by telegram or by horse mail um you know we even had i mean at some point in world war one i mean guys took forever to get communication because it was done by carrier pigeon um you know yeah you have unlimited access to everything that is happening at the world at any given moment you know, I recently, you and know, today, the, to the New York Times did an article news. about yeah. the Wagner group, uh, the Wagner group leader. He just died in oh. a plane crash. Oh. And literally minutes after it happened, boom, it's in my phone. Notification. Wagner group. Pergosian dies like in right. a plane crash, like anti like, uh, um, you know, Russian military involvement, likely mm-hmm. sort of deal like within minutes of it happening. Right. And what are you going to do about it? What am I going to do about that? Right. Well, yeah. And and so my generation is so profoundly depressed. And I know why. Because it's profitable to deliver bad news. Right. They can't. They they, because they are bombarded every day with the most horrible things happening in the world. And they think, oh, my God, is there any hope for us? And the truth is, look, like this country has been more divided before. And this country has felt its way through some of the toughest fights in the world. 
some of the toughest moments for human history, the darkest moments of human history, this country has always, always stepped up to the World plate. And they have always found a way. Yeah. And, and that was, you know, it was comforting because years ago, especially during my extremely busy years, I would say, you know, oh, this industry is horrible and the Internet is evil and everything's a scam and everything's a scam. Yeah. And some clients had to remind me, hey, Mark, guess what? People, this is just people being treacherous to other people. And that's gone on since the beginning of time. And I, that actually right. was comforting to me. I go, oh, yeah, you know what? People have been nasty to each other since the beginning. Okay, it's not just my yeah. industry, and I feel a little better. Um, but, no, yeah. that's – you should, like – that's a speech right there. You know, we recorded it. You heard it here first, folks. <laughs> uh, Riley Cagle's inspiring speech. Um, tell your friends this isn't the darkest time in human history, and there is hope, and America pulls through if – you and I can come together and see that yeah. we're just all people trying to do the right thing. Thank you so much for joining us. I wish you all the best, and you're welcome to come back anytime. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me, man. This has been a really great experience, and I hope everybody learned something valuable to this uh, while listening to this. Yeah, I know I did. TheComputerExorcist.com, newly remodeled and ready to for you to look at. Uh, buy a book for all your friends. Take a look at the podcast. Tell your friends about the podcast, and we'll talk to you later.